coming. I, I got myself on the clock because I said I wasn't going to speak long, so <laughs> I ain't going to tell you what time I got, but as soon as that time hits, I'm going to stop it, all right? Because I know my wife is going to be giving me signals, so she's going to be sitting there looking at me. Right here. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I, I promise you it won't be as long. <laughs> Amen. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. So, you know, as you know, we've been talking about false teachers, so... And I think I mentioned this last week that I can't just talk about false teachers without talking about true teachers. And, uh, you know, when I talk about true teachers, I'm also talking about pastors, apostles, prophets, and evangelists. And uh, today would just be a, a minor introduction because we're not going to get through uh, all this today, but and that's, that's okay. And I'll have a separate section for uh, prophets, um, you know, down the road here. But... Um, you know, we, we have to, a lot of times, we, we have the pastoral epistles, right? We're familiar with those, um, and a lot of times when you hear churches teach on those, they apply it to typical Christians, regular Christians, right? And not so much as the leadership, right? But really, when Paul wrote that, he wrote it to, for the leaders. He wrote it for the elders. He wrote it for the pastors, the bishops, right? And sometimes when... Churches teach from that, they kind of overlook that, right? Not not purposely, because when it talks about the elders there, it describes the character. And truth be told, all Christians should have that character, right? All Christians should have that character. But it definitely tells us what type of character the leaders in the church should have, right? So understand, and I, and I think I said this before, but when you hear elder, presbyter, bishop, pastor, shepherd, all in the New Testament, it's interchangeable. Right? They, they, they're all one. They're all designed to be overseers. But what is important for us to know is just because, let, first, let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Because we're all familiar with that where, you know, how, you know, Jesus gave some gifts, right? He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What we have to realize is there's no hierarchy in any of those, right? Now, in the early church, you have the uh, early apostles, those that walked with Jesus, and those that seen his resurrection, and they had they they had a hierarchy there, right? They were there to to establish the church. But as we come down to today, there's no hierarchy, right? So understand this: why is it important for us to for our leaders to have good godly character? Because in Hebrews thirteen seven it says, "Follow the man of God, or the person that's bringing the word. Follow their faith." as well as their lifestyle, right? So if the leader is not living right, then what is, what is that going to show for everybody else, right? So, all right, so Ephesians chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse 4. So there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he left captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So real quick, if we serve one God, one Lord, and one spirit, and we know that they are the same, they are one, how many know that we should reflect their character? Amen. Right? Not just leaders, but all Christians, truth be told, should reflect their character. All right. So, all right, so verse 9. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean, but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended 
is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we stop right there for, real quick. So I said this a while back that every Christian is involved in ministry. Right? You may not be called to pastor, you may not be called to the office of a prophet or any of the fivefold ministry, but as Christians, every believer is to be involved in ministry. Right? We may not want it, but that that's what we're supposed to be doing. Alright? So what does it mean to edify? Because uh, he has here uh, edifying of the body of Christ. So edify here actually means promote growth in Christian wisdom, being devout, live in happiness, and holiness. Right? So sometimes we talk about, well, I talk about, I mention it quite often, that the church is has grown colder and colder and darker and darker, right? So sometimes we can look and we can just say we can blame the whole church, and yeah, we can, but ultimately it is the leaders in the body of Christ is the reason why the church is the way it is today, right? And we'll see as we get to the pastoral epistles, God established elders and leaders in the church for a specific reason, right? And we see right here for the fivefold ministry, for the equipping, and for the edifying, right? So we talked about before that churches now don't really talk about holiness, right? But that is the job of the pastor. That is the job of a leader in the body of Christ. Alright, so let's go to verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we shall no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head of Christ. So we should never stay as babes. We should never stay needing milk as we walk in our Christian walk, right? So we're going to get to, might not get to it today, but later on we're going to get to where it talks about being a novice uh, in Timothy, right? So sometimes we think that novice, well, it does mean someone that's a new convert, right? But it, it also doesn't mean somebody that's been saved for five, ten years. It, it, it actually means somebody, someone that's not a know should be somebody that's experienced, equipped, right? So I attribute this to when I was thinking about back when I was in the Navy or in the military in general. It used to be before we got all these different religions and chaplains and things like that in the military. It used to be, in order to be a chaplain in the military, one, you had to graduate from seminary, but you had to have been practicing as a pastor or a leader for at least 10 years, right? And then you had to have endorsement. That's no longer the case, right? Not, not even in the world, right? Now, you can just graduate Bible college and go get a pastoral job, but that's not what it's designed for. Yeah, you can graduate a seminary school or a Bible college, and you can have head knowledge, but where is your experience at? See, because we also have to have an experience with the Holy Spirit, right? So sometimes, and, and the reason why we'll, we'll see here, Paul wanted these, Lord spoke to him about establishing the elders and why they had to be seasoned is because when you look at the early church, when someone got converted, we have to understand the Jews already knew the Old Testament. They knew it like the back of their hand. So they already had the knowledge, but they didn't have the experience, right? So there's something wrong when you have a, 
somebody in leadership and they always talk about what somebody else did, somebody someone else's miracles, right? Instead of what they've been through, right? That that that's not experience, right? So I, I've I've witnessed that before. I've heard it before. The the leader, the speaker, whoever it is, they don't say anything that they've experienced in the Lord, but they talk about what somebody else did, right? So that's not being experienced. All right. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. So just bear with me. This is just all foundation stuff. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. All right. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. So here's Peter, the Apostle Peter, who's saying he's also an elder. So understand this. Everyone that's called into the fivefold ministry is an elder. Right? Everyone that's called. So that's why when we get to the pastoral epistles, we're going to see that whether it's apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, whoever, they should have the same character. Right? So everyone that's called to the fivefold ministry is an elder. But every elder is not called to the fivefold ministry. So let's keep going. Feed the flock, uh, verse 2, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So let's turn to Acts. Uh, let's go to Acts 15. So we have to understand that when I said that the, the Apostle Paul reported, when he went to Jerusalem, he reported to the other apostles, and he also reported to the elders to make sure that what he was teaching was doctrinally sound. So we have to understand elders have an important role, right? I know what my train of what I lost was. So when I said that every elder is not necessarily called to the fivefold ministry, it is not wrong to call an elder a pastor as well. Okay? Alright. Let's start at verse. Let's start at verse 6. And then we'll, we'll uh down to 21. All right. Now the apostles and who? The elders came together to consider this matter, manner, matter, excuse me. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know what a good while ago God chose among us that by mouth the Gentiles shall hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he, just as he did to us. I'm going to keep reading through and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they are. Verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. So understand, James, 
was the brother of Jesus. Okay? James was an apostle, but James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Okay? So, uh, verse 14. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and will, will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Verse 18. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So understand here, this is James who is the leader of the church. As also, also with the uh, Apostle Peter and the elders of the church. So basically we're going to get to to show that, that the apostles and the elders were pretty much on equal level here. Okay? Where did I leave it? Uh, verse 22. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles, Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia, greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you, Without beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. So we can stop right there. So understand that the elders here were also attributed into establishing the doctrine of the church. Right? So not just necessarily the apostles, but the elders as well. Alright, so Acts 20 and 28 says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Alright? So, he's telling, the overseer, he's telling the elders to oversee the flock. Okay? So, the elders had a great responsibility. So, you will see in some churches that they'll have a board of elders. Right? That board of elders is also designed to make sure that the pastor don't get out of line either, right? Because they are to be people who are sound in doctrine, right? So now when we wonder why things have gotten so flaky in the church, it's because elders and as well as those in the fivefold ministry have remained silent. They have remained silent because sometimes they may know someone, right, that may be more senior to them, that, well, that, that may be in the office longer than they have, and instead of stepping up and saying something, they just stay quiet. And it was never designed to be that way. And we'll see later on as we get to Titus why it was important for them to have elders in every city. Right? So we wouldn't come to the foolishness that we see today. Right? But somehow the ball got dropped. Okay? So understand this. So the fivefold ministries, they're gifts to the body of Christ. They're gifts that Jesus has given. 
So, but it is important for everyone in a leadership position to have godly character, right? We can't just sit up here and, and, and understand this. It's not just godly character in the church, but it's godly character outside the church as well, all right? So let's turn to, let's, uh, let's get Titus real quick. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We'll go there first. Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. I'll tell you, stomachs, be quiet. We're almost done. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be what? Blameless. The husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, alright, so not given to wine means, okay, that means not addicted to wine, alright, the scriptures doesn't mean that, doesn't say that you can't drink wine, alright, but you can't be drunk, okay, and it's not talking about vodka and anything else, okay, it's talking about wine, alright, <laughs> so let's not get it twisted, alright, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, all right? So there's that word novice again, right? So not a new convert, but someone who's experienced in the things of the Lord, right? But we have seen in churches, right, especially big churches, you could be a novice if you have money, right? If you're a millionaire, they will allow you to be a novice and bring a work, all right? Lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Verse 7, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Okay, stop right there, all right? So that seems like... Something huge that someone has to live up to, right? That that that's some strong character that ministers have to have, right? And again, this is not just for the elders, but this is for everybody in the fivefold ministry. So, do we think that a deacon will be less or about the same? Absolutely. Let's keep going. Verse eight. Likewise, that means in a similar manner. Deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience, conscience but, but let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. So right there, let them be tested. That also means that they shouldn't be novices neither. Right? So nor should somebody just be coming into the church, joining the church, and nobody knows who they are, then all of a sudden... They're getting ordained as a deacon. Verse 11. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. Sounds pretty much similar to what he said about the elders, right? For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith 
which is in Christ Jesus. So the main difference between the elders and the deacons is they will have different roles and functions, but their characters are going to be the same. Right? So the elders are going to be the ones doing the main teaching, and the deacons are going to be in service more. Right? But they should have the same character. Right? So that should also be for the Christians as well. Right? So we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, right? That is a part of our character. We did a teaching on that a while back. But anybody in a leadership position should have strong character. Right? And if they don't have strong character, then they don't need to be in a leadership position. Right? And we've seen where people, well, we gave a demonstration last week, where people who fell and then they get right back up in a leadership position. Why? Because they're elegant speakers. They're charismatic. But that shouldn't be. Right? And we've seen also novices get in position. Right? So we wonder sometimes why these young pastors, same thing I talked about last week, they, they become pastors of these mega churches. But they haven't experienced things. Right? They haven't experienced things and things of the Spirit. So how can they lead the people if they're not experienced? Right? And then we wonder why the church is the way it is. Right? But this is the reason why Paul established, he wrote the pastoral epistles. Right? So, and, and, the, and the thing about the pastoral epistles, which we'll get to uh, later on, that it talks about what should be taught in the churches. Right? And if we have stayed to the doctrine, of what is in the Bible, the church would be just like it was in the early church. And actually, we would probably be facing persecution now because we, we would be on point and be on fire for God. But, right, truth be told, you know, we, we, we hear Christians talking about, oh, we're facing persecution. We're not facing persecution really in this country. We're, we're, we're not, right? I don't care if they tell you to shut the doors down. That ain't persecution, right? That doesn't stop the church from being a church, right? Because guess what the early church did? They made it in houses. Right, so when I when I when I when I see these things on social media about churches in uh, Canada, they're doing things. Just obey the law of the land, and then go have church somewhere else. Right, it doesn't matter if your church building is closed. And actually, with some of these pastors that did get arrested, it wasn't the fact that they were telling them not to have service. It was just telling them because of COVID, you can't be full capacity. Right, but they didn't listen. But instead of just doing multiple services, they still just try to have one. And then when they get arrested. Oh, we're being persecuted. No, you're being disobedient against <laughs> Romans 13 and 1. Right? So, and that is a part of character. That That is a part of character. Amen. So, I'm going to hold up right there and we'll finish next week. Cause <laughs> I know people saw the chicken and, and macaroni and cheese and ready to eat. <laughs> I told you I was going to keep it short. <laughs> Amen. Let, let, let's pray.